This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Right. Let's go. Let's say a prayer and we'll, we'll begin. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love, kindness, and mercy. You've been so good to us. Can't thank you enough. As we go into this time of just a bit of a challenge, really, for me, for the people that are here, help us to embrace the challenge, to take it head on, and not to not let anything hold us back, but to just embrace it for what it is. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Work your... Let me get this right. Work your cycle in your circle. Work your cycle in your circle. Have you ever felt like you personally want to get involved in evangelism, but you don't know where to start where you are? Have you ever felt like that? Like you want to do something for God, but then you've tried to do something in the past and you don't really know how to, I don't know, navigate church. There's a word over there that got thrown out. Politics is what he said. But you just don't know how to navigate things and you're trying to get things to start and you just don't know where to begin. Um, or you're trying to get your ideas launched and as you're trying to get your ideas launched with the youth leader or with the personal ministries department, um, you're not quite sure um, what this, so what the next step for you is. So this seminar is kind of a how to do it yourself guide to evangelism. How to do it yourself. It's do it yourself. DIY. Um, I've got myself. Um, that's all I have. Um, let's take that and do something. Are you with me? So this is, I'm putting the ball in your court for 2020. You can leave here and do something with what we're about to go through right now. Is that okay? Right. Now, this thing here, I'm going to try and do myself also. So I'm with you. So today, I'm sitting with you and I'm listening to me speak because I want to do what's on here. Are you with me? All right. So we're together. It's not me up here, you down there. We're together on this one. Is that okay? That's fair? That's fair. All right. Caution. 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 I am not telling you to work independently of your local church. I've been a local church elder for the past six years. Um, so this is not something I'm saying. I'm just simply saying that you can start to do things right away without having to tell anybody about it. That's all I'm saying. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. All right. Actually, I'm advocating for young people to work more and with their local churches. Here we go. I'm not telling anybody off, particularly not you guys, because I don't know you. But actually, I love you. You see why I'm saying what I'm saying? I just, I just flipped the script in my head. I love you. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I said to my mom, Sam, you're doing this because I love you. 
The reality is, is that many young people aren't involved in their local churches. They go, but that's all they do. They go. Are you hearing me? Um, when it comes time for nominating committee at the end of the year, and we're looking for people to take up roles, sometimes, ah, I hope you understand what that phrase that I just said means. What I'm saying is, is that young people need to start taking up the roles. Young people need to start doing the things that God has called them to do. I was 24, I became an elder. Not because I'm perfect. Not because I've got my act all together. Not because I know what I'm doing. But I decided to step up to the responsibilities that God placed on my life. God's asking for young people, you in the room, to get more involved locally. Understand how your local church works. Who here has he's been, he's been, been to university? Um, put your hands up. Put your hands up. You, you, you're currently working. You're currently working. Put your hands up. You're at, you're at college. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. You're at school. Put your hands up. You're at, okay, okay. So, so at work, school, college, those things there, you've got things called policies and procedures. Most of you know what those policies and procedures are, don't you? You're engaged with them. Um, you know about them, you, you, you're aware of them. When it comes to church all of a sudden, it seems as though people don't know what's going on. The young people, the only time they hear about the church manual is when somebody gets pregnant. And outside of, outside of that, they don't know how church operates. Like if all the adults died tomorrow, could the church run today with the young people? Or would there just be a praise and worship team? Are you catching what I'm throwing? So, at the beginning of this seminar, I'm simply advocating that the young people need to get more involved in their local church. Now we've got the disclaimer out of the way. Okay. How familiar are you with the cycle of evangelism? You've heard of it before. You've not heard of it before. You've heard of it before? You've heard of it before. You've not heard of it before. Okay, boom. All right, so we've got, some, we've got some stuff to do. Right, it's 22. Let's go. Let's do an overview. The Bible... Am I in the right place? Yes, I am. The Bible likens soul winning to sowing seeds and harvesting plants. The Bible likens soul winning to sowing seeds and harvesting plants. Now, who here lives in a city? I live in a city. Who here lives in a city? Who here lives in a city? Okay, so the city folk don't know what sowing seed and harvesting plants is. So we're going to break that down. John 4, 34 to 38 says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gather a fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may join together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. The Bible here is communicating that working for God is something like sowing seeds and reaping harvest. And the next one, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? 
but ministers by whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man, I planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye, now this is the key word that I want you to notice. This word here. Are God's husbandry. Say that, people. Husbandry. Oh, dude, that was dead. Let's go again. Husbandry. Husbandry. Ye are God's husbandry. And ye are God's building. Anybody know what husbandry means? Hand at the back. To care for and nurture in such a way that it's productive. Well, I didn't know either because I'm from the city. And so I looked it up. Dictionary. The care, cultivation, and breeding of crops and animals, um, farm management, farming, to care for and nurture in such a way that it's productive. I prefer that definition. So we know what husbandry is. And so God says, the Bible says, ye are God's husbandry. Um, God likens the Christian experience to husbandry. Are you with me? You with me? You with me? Are you with me? Okay, you're with me. Disclaimer. I'm not from a big city, um, but I'm not an expert at farming or anything, so this is just a personal experience I'm going to use to try and explain to you the cycle of evangelism in terms of this farming metaphor that Jesus uses. So, mom decided to grow some tomatoes. This is a few years ago. And she wanted my involvement with that. Now, she's got a little patch at the back of the house. Not that big. And Brother Fisher at my church, elderly gentleman, um, he's a grower. He's got, he, well, at the time, at one time stage, he was growing things at the back. He had his different fruits and stuff going. So he's given mom the necessary tools to, 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 to grow at a, a tomato patch. Now, when the plants came, there was a little patch in the back of the garden that didn't have any lawn. It was untouched and had been for a while. Hence, it was full of weeds. We're going somewhere. So my mom's patch, a bit of land at the back, full of weeds. It was untouched. Nobody had done anything with it. So in order for us to put some tomato plants in there, we've got to do something about the gland that's there. Are you with me? So not only did the weeds go, but we had to put some compost in it. And mum then planted the tomatoes alongside some other plants after the weeding process. Naturally, she's weeded out the, 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 the stuff. She's, she's, um, she's removed the stones. Um, um, we've put some compost down. We've put the plants down. But mum wants these things to grow. She wants these things to grow. I'm telling you what happened in my house a few years back. She wants these things to grow. So um, to ensure that it's growing, she waters it regularly. She ensures that weeds are not springing up. Um, I don't know what 099 is, therefore. Her favorite part from my 099 was harvesting the tomatoes. So she enjoyed harvesting the tomatoes. She enjoyed harvesting the tomatoes. And something about the harvesting process, 
She had to ensure that she didn't pick them too early, but not too late. Like if you pick them too early, they're still green. Why have you picked them? But if you pick them too late, they're going to spoil. Why didn't you pick them? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So once she picked them, she had to make a conscious decision also what she was going to do with them. Now notice the processes. She had to weed up the land that she had. Clear out the land. Um, deal with the weeds. Deal with the stones. Deal with the things that would stop um, an environment being there that would allow the tomatoes to grow. Then she had to plant the tomatoes. After she planted the tomatoes, she needed to care for the tomatoes. So after caring for the tomatoes, she then needed to harvest the tomatoes. And after harvesting the tomatoes, she needed to decide what to do with the tomatoes. I hope you guys are catching what I'm throwing. All right, boom, I think you're with me. Now, before we move on from my mum's tomatoes, let me make a few points. Usually when this presentation is given, they talk about the cycle of evangelism from a big perspective, something to include the whole church. So they talk about um, the preparation of the soil and they talk about the community's engagement or the church's engagement with the community and trying to reach hearts that way. And then that's the preparation of the soil. That would be weeding out the tomatoes. Then they talk about seed sowing, as in the personal ministry department going around and spreading the word and, and in the local community. And they talk about then um, sections where you've got to begin to cultivate the crop. And in cultivation of the crop, that's when the church organizes and gives Bible studies. And, and, and that's what they talk about. But I want to speak about this thing in a different... The clicker's over here. I want to speak about this thing in a different kind of way today. Today's presentation... I'm setting you a challenge, and I'm setting me a challenge. So, so I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm sitting next to this person here. I don't know your name. Please forgive me for putting you on the spot. My bad. I'm sitting next to this individual here, and I'm with you in the congregation, and I'm setting us a challenge for 2020. The challenge is this. Work your cycle in your circle. Work the evangelism cycle, your own personalized evangelism cycle, in your own circle of influence. And you can start that today. So as I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. This is just you guys listening in and me speaking to myself. Are you with me? Okay. Step one. Step one. The first thing that had to be done before the tomatoes could even be planted was the process of taking the weeds and the stones and the foolishness out of the patch at the back. Let that sink in. There had to be some digging up, some preparation, some clearing out of things, some things that weren't right needed to be put right. Okay. Jeremiah 4.3, for thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Hosea 10.12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Question, what does fallow mean? 
Hard? Hard work? I didn't know either, so I looked it up. Um, Plowed and harrowed, but left for a period without being sown in order to restore its fertility. Um, Then you've got the theosaurus here, uncultivated, unplowed, untilled, unplanted, unsown. It was kind of left like the patch at the back of a mum's garden. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So because it was left at the patch with my mum's garden, it's kind of got weeds in there. Um, it's got stones in there. It's kind of hardened because nothing's been done with it. There's no compost in it. And so what Jeremiah and Hosea are saying is, is that you've got to break that stuff up. We're going to bring this home. You've got to break that stuff up. The first process that had to be done before the tomatoes could even be planted was the process of taking the weeds out the patch at the back, dealing with the thorns, dealing with the thorns. Here we go. I looked up fallow ground on the Ellen White app. 68 hits. Um, And there's two major concepts, two major concepts that come out. Number one, deal with the weeds and the thorns choking your own heart. Number two, the people who you are trying to reach will need assistance with their weeds, their thorns, and sometimes stony soil. We're talking about work your cycle in your circle. Work your cycle in your circle. Um, The garden of the heart must be cultivated. The soil must be broken up by deep repentance for sin. Poisonous, satanic plants must be uprooted. The soil once overgrown by thorns can be reclaimed only by diligent labor. So the evil tendencies of the natural heart can be overcome only by earnest effort in the name and strength of Jesus. The Lord bids us by his prophet, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy. Those are the two texts that we read in the previous screen. This work he desires to accomplish for us. And he asks us to cooperate with him. Right. Step number one. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. I am with you. I'm so with you on this. This is 2020. And I'm so with you on this. Have you identified the weeds and stones in the soil of your own heart? We're talking about work your cycle in your circle. This is step number one. Have you identified the weeds and the stones in the soil of your own heart? Matthew 13, 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Luke 8, 14, And they which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. Have you identified the things which are choking your relationship with Jesus Christ? That's step number one. Step number one. Step number one. Um, Now, it's easy to see other people's weeds when you're not looking at your own. I hope that made sense to somebody. 
And so because it's easy to see other people's weeds, and we've got to do the two things. My thing is, deal with your own weeds first. Um, now, this is where we're coming with the challenge now. I'm making this intentional. Those who have calendars on them, whether on their phones or otherwise, just take it out. Take your phone out for a moment. Take your phone out. 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 And bring it to the calendar. What do you think about scheduling on your calendar? On your calendar. The first one to two weeks of January to spend some time examining your own heart. And to spend some time reconnecting with your creator. This year. Is that something you think we can do? Something you think we can do? We talk about work your cycle in your circle. And we're looking at the first point of the circle, not the circle, the cycle. And the first point of the cycle is deal with your weeds. And so, um, those of you who got a calendar, put that in your thing. Something you want to spend some time doing is dealing with the weeds of your own heart. Right. Here we go. How do you help someone with their issues? So we're no longer talking about your weeds, we're talking about somebody else's weeds, without being judgmental. You feeling the question? Sometimes it's easy to, to get judgmental in this thing. How do you help somebody with their issues without being judgmental? The sowers of the seed have a work to do in preparing hearts to receive the gospel. In the ministry of the word, there is too much sermonizing and too little of real heart-to-heart -heart work. There is need of personal labor for the souls of the lust. In Christ-like sympathy, we should come close to men individually and seek to awaken their interest in the great things of eternal life. The hearts, she's going to break it down here, may be as hard as the beaten highway and apparently it may be as a useless effort to present the Savior to them. But while logic may fail to move, an argument be powerless to convince. I've seen something here in my own life. The love of Christ revealed in personal ministry may soften the stony heart so that the seed of truth can take root. You can't help people who you're not close to. Well, maybe you can, but not effectively. If you're going to be effective, you've got to come close to people. I hope that makes sense. You've got to come close to people. You see that there's someone in your church and you're thinking, man, I wish somebody would do something. I'm one of the young people and I can see that they're on the edge. And you can just see it. Sometimes you're not being judgmental. It's just obvious. And it is what it is. And you're there and you wish somebody would do something. Why don't you come close to them? Why don't you message them and say, bro, it's been a long time since we've spoken. Um, let's go and get a bite to eat. And what you'll notice is, is as you come close to them, you'll gain an influence over them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, your influence may be just the thing that they need to help break down and soften the stony heart so that though logic may fail to move them, the love of Christ can move them. Guy from our home church. Man, I've just said that on the recording. Help us, Lord. I think it's okay. We'll be okay. 
We'll be okay. We'll be okay. He was struggling. He was struggling. And um, my friend and I said, you know what? We've got to take him out. You don't just watch somebody struggle and think, oh, we need to pray for them. You've got to pray for them, but you've got to do something. So, you know, let's take him out. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm just like you. I'm sitting next to you in the pew. I didn't know what to say. Um, he's coming to church, but barely. Let's take him out. Took him and we got some vegan pizza. Um, then, um, you know, caught up, had a chat. Um, dropped him off home. Um, then he came to my mind again. Called my friend Jonathan. Bro, this guy's struggling. Come, we've got to try and connect. We've got to try and connect. We can't just let the guy struggle. We can't just watch him leave. We can't just watch them. We've got to do something. Someone's soul salvation is at stake. We've got to do something. So let's take him out again. Just got some British, you know we have fish and chips in England. I just got the chips and no fish. And all we did was sit down in the car for 20 minutes. Didn't really know what to say, but we caught up about school and we had a prayer. And I took him back to his house. That night, he put on a sermon that I preached on his Facebook. And it just made me see that though I wasn't doing much, God was speaking to him. And he was showing him that somebody cared. You've got to start helping people if we're going to do something about the crisis of youth leaving the church. It's on you. You've got to do something. As a young person, you've got to reach young people. And so we're here. You can't just watch people leave. It pains my heart, to be honest. It really does. It pains me. It pains me. It's the type of thing that will bring me to tears. You've got to try and do something for the people who you know are struggling. And so um, the thing that you've got to try and do when you see that someone's struggling is you've got to come close to them. You've got to connect with them. You've got to give them some personal ministry. Do something, there's a technical term for it, we call it these days. It's called visitation. Visitation. We read in the last slides um, that Jesus' work was largely done by personal interviews. And make some time for people. And when you make some time for people, um, you'll find that people will respond. So those who have their calendars on them, you've got your phones. You've got your phones. You've got your phones. You've got your diaries. You've got your calendars. Um, what do you think about scheduling some time in January to spend some time, that's supposed to say some time, some time asking God to reveal some people in your circle who you could potentially reach for God and make steps to come close to them? Is that fair? Is that something you think we can do? So, so the first step, first couple of weeks, we're just trying to do some weeding in our own life. And the next step is we're going to try and come close to some people who we think God can help us to reach. Okay, step two. So, we took the, the weeds out. The weeds went. And we took the stones out. The stones went. We, 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 we put some compost in there. The compost came. Um, and let me help you with this. Don't look at someone and think, that's a lost case. At the hospital I work at, 
It's called the Royal Wolverhampton NHS Trust. And it has the lowest... More, I've got to get this right. You've got the least chance of dying post-cardiac surgery in England at this hospital. So they've got really good rates, surgery-wise, after you had your surgery, heart surgery. So anyway, I'm on the ward, I'm on ITU critical care, and I'm working. And um, one of the surgeons is walking past, and he sees one of his patients in a hospital bed. And he's previously told the nurses, take the patient out of the hospital bed and sit them out. Now, this person's been in the hospital for months, it seems like. And it looked like death was at their door. Looked like they were going to die. The surgeon comes past and says, after he's given them these instructions, he's still in the bed. He goes, I thought I said to take the patient out of the bed. He's borderline angry. He says, I know you don't think he's going to make it, but you've got to believe that he's going to make it. He's talking about physical life. And it was at that moment that I realized why the hospital's got such good rates. Because, and that person turned around, made a complete recovery. Because there's people that believe in them. When you're coming close to people, coming close to people, coming close to people, there we go. When you're coming close to people, you've got to believe that God's able to do something in them and for them, despite what you're currently seeing. And so, having dealt with the soil... The tomatoes had to be planted. If you don't plant tomatoes, there was only a limited point to preparing the soil. It's one thing to look pretty and cute. It's another thing for the soil to have something growing in there. Right. Luke 8, verse 11. Let's read that together. Let's read that together. Luke 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. Let me stop. Let's read that together. What are we doing? We're reading it together. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Okay. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Okay. Don't get caught up in not saying something and spreading the word of God because of nerves. Had a friend, we'll call him Robert. Comes to me earlier this year, no, last year, we were in 2020, 2019, he comes to me, likes this girl. We're just going to call him Robert for the sake of the recording. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she seems like a nice person. So he, he tells me he's praying about it. And um, so, you know, he's praying. He said, he said he's done some fasting. I'm like, that's good, man. You know, Ellen White says, you know, when you think about these things, you should pray twice as much. So you're praying, he's fasting, and he comes back here, some she's a really nice girl, he's praying and he's fasting. And he comes back, some she's a really nice girl, he's praying and he's fasting. And he comes back, he's praying and he's fasting. I'm like, bro, have you said something? <laughs> Don't let nerves stop you from saying something. I'm talking about spreading the word. <laughs> and so sometimes what happens is we've let nerves, we've let barriers, we've let fears, we've let some of the other things that we saw in the previous session stop us or impact our witness because of nerves. 
If you've been spending time with somebody, if you've been getting close to them, take some time out to sow some seeds, spread the word in their life. You can't expect any fruit if you haven't sown any seed. One-on-one -on -one is two. So step two, don't just limit the sowing of seed to the one you've been praying for. Though you are to share with them also, but wherever you are, say a line, share a tract, do something to sow a seed. One of the Bible workers who I work with, Mark Langston, tells me that the way he became an Adventist is somebody left a tract in a phone box. And from the phone box, that led him to becoming an Adventist. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're on, you want to be sharing where you can, where you are, how you are. Because as you do that, you just don't know what that seed is going to do. I remember when my mum became, I don't remember it personally, but I remember the stories of my mum. When my mum became an Adventist, I was only young at the time. This is before we were Adventists. And um, mum had been in an accident and she told God, God, if you save me, I'll follow you. If you save me, I'll follow you. So she had to be in the hospital for about a couple of, for, for, for a while, she had to relearn to walk. That's how long she was in there. So she comes out and she remembers this prayer, I'll follow you, and she's looking for a church to go to. Looking for a church to go to. To see those preachers that were on the streets, she said she would just pause and stop and listen to them because she was looking for a church. You just don't know who's looking. Are you seeing what I'm saying? She ended up going to a Mormon church. Because those were the ones that were sharing. It so happened that one of her good friends was a Seventh-day Adventist. And then they gave her Bible studies and that's why we're here where we are today. But what I'm saying is it could have gone a completely different way. God, in the process of time, worked things out through his providence because he saw somebody that was genuine. But what I'm saying is, is that you need to take time to share. Ours is the privilege of studying Christ's manner of teaching. As he went from place to place, everywhere, sowing the seeds of truth. That's step two. So here we go. If you've got your calendar. You've got your calendar, you've got your calendar. Two things here. Number one, it's a difficult time to put on this one. But put it on there. But the people you've been coming close to, don't wait too long to see if you can sow some seeds of truth with them. So you know you've put on the calendar already that there's some people who you're going to try and come close to. Well, your next step is to try and sow some seeds with those people. Does that make sense? And number two, get some resources. Buy some glow tracks. Make it a habit, a habit, making, making use of all means possible, whether verbally, Instagram, Facebook, to sow some truth. Could we do that? Is that something we can do? Something we can agree to? So step three. What's the time? I think I'm doing good time. Yeah, 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 I've smashed it. We've done it, we've done it. So smashed in the UK is a phrase which means you've done it well. So time-wise, we're doing okay. That's what I'm saying. Um, so step three. Having planted the tomatoes, not them tomatoes, the plants need to be cultivated. They need to be watered, and they need to be consistent weeding, etc. 
This takes time. You're planting trees, not flowers. Uh, some have a flower-based ministry. We need a tree-based ministry. Flowers look good. They smell nice. They attract the bees. There's a lot of buzz, but flowers don't last long. God's calling us to plant trees. Trees are things which, when they're grown, weather the storm. God's calling us to plant trees. First Peter, um, we'll read Psalm 125, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, beareth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. So your next action, from the interest you've seen in your friends, see if one will accept to have Bible studies. You'll be surprised by who will say yes to such a request. People are searching for truth. That's what they're searching for. And as you get engaged in this, you want to make sure you let the interest coordinator at your church know that you've got some real interests that are going on. So you've been coming close to people, and you've been sharing the truth, and you see that this person's interested, there's a potential interest, and you just simply ask them. Don't be afraid to ask. You simply ask them, bro, have you ever thought about trying to learn more about this thing? Um, I'd love to spend some time going through some things with you. Sometimes we make the thing so complicated. You're just asking them a question. Now, you're saying, but Sam, I don't know how to give Bible studies. Don't worry about that. You haven't got to that stage yet. You've just asked him a question. When I gave my first Bible study, this, I'm seeing new people in the room, so I've got to say this again. I hadn't given a Bible study before. All I did was go onto YouTube, an audio verse, typed in how to give a Bible study, and then I gave one. Sometimes we make this thing so deep. It is what it is. You're just giving a Bible study. God's not looking, and as I said in the last session, he's not looking for a defense attorney. He's simply looking for a witness. So when you're giving your study, you're simply sharing what you know. And the way it's, it's so simple these days, they've made it so simple. Just get the amazing fact studies, that's all you need to do. Just get the it is written studies, that's all you need to do. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You give them one, you've got one, then you go through it. Is that complicated? If you can read and you can speak, you can give a Bible study. Don't let your reading and speaking talents go to waste. So step four. Step four. Having planted the tomatoes, them the tomatoes, the tomatoes, we had to wait until the tomatoes went from green to red. Then you have to physically pick them. Mark 4.29 says, But when the fruit is brought forth, Immediately, he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, I wanted to go through this in the last session, but we didn't get time, so I'm going to say it now. When you're giving your studies to somebody and you're working this part of the cycle, it's very important that at the end of each study, you give an appeal. Now, an appeal is not, will you stand right now and give your heart to Jesus? You're not doing that in somebody's house. An appeal in someone's house is, is there anything that would keep you from accepting, you know, maybe you've just studied the word of God. Is there anything that would keep you from accepting that the Bible is the word of God? And see what they say. 
Very simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. And see what they say. And if they say, yeah, that's what I want to do, you have a prayer, and then you move to your next study. Now, you want to you wanna, you wanna do appeals at the end of each study because you, don't wanna be, you want someone to be making decisions along the way. You give an appeal, they make a decision. You go to your next study, they make a decision. They go to the next study, they make a decision. They go to the next study, they make a decision. And as they're making decisions along the way, it helps them to walk in their relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't want them to go through a series of studies. Now you're asking them to do some big things, but they never made any little steps along the way. So now you're asking them to leap. You're not asking them to walk. You want to walk them through as you give the studies. I hope that makes sense. And so, one of the things that you're doing whilst you're giving the studies is, is you're watching to see, is this person ready to give their life to Jesus? Like, are they ready to, 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 to do what I'm doing? Now, we were giving some Bible studies, Craig and I, to one of the girls at church. Man, I keep baiting different people out on the recording. Forgive me when you hear this. Anyway, so Craig and I could see, and I'd just given an appeal. Um, so you know that book, your, your, your Love Languages, the Love Languages book, and you've got, you got your five love languages. Uh, I've forgotten which, what they are, but you've got, you've got, you've got, what are they? Touch, quality time, something, 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 something. Anyway, at the time I had them down in my head. Um, so I said, you know, um, we've all got these love languages. I said, but God's also got a love language. I remember us being in the room. God's also got a love language. And his language, his love language is this. It's if you love me, keep my commandments. Got a question for you. Do you love him? So then, I'm just looking at the look on her face. You've got to watch people. I'm looking at the look on her face, and I can see from the look on her face that she's convicted. When you're seeing that people are convicted and you see that um, the time is right and they're ripe, you want to make sure that you bring them when you can to a decision. And you want to create environments for decision. Um, one of the ways to help you um, in a harvest is a campaign. We recently did a campaign. Um, and you know that cousin that I spoke about with, with the Bible studies? It's taken a years and a process of time, but in the campaign that we did in October, she decided to get baptized. Because sometimes a campaign brings that emph, the emph, that emphasis. Some, or you could just bring them to a GYC. And when the appeal is being made, you just simply say to them, do you want to go up? So you brought your friend to GYC. It's the evening plenary. You know they're struggling. The appeal's going on. And you just simply say to them, whilst the appeal's going on, do you want to go up? Let me tell you something. This happened to my friend at a GYC. He'd left church. He's at a GYC. Sebastian Braxton's preaching about God's chasing you down the corridors of your mind. And as he's preaching and he's appealing, his brother just simply says to him, do you want to go up for the appeal? He went up and the appeal changed his life. Sometimes we make the thing too complicated. I'm trying to make this simple for you. We'll make it too complicated. You want to make sure you can create environments where people are able to see this thing called Jesus Christ and put them in spaces 
but they were, uh, it just brings making a decision home to them. Next action. When the Bible studies come through, and, and they will, because the more so seeds that you sow, the greater your chance of a study, you want to be intentional about looking for when they're ripe. Look for signs of conviction. Asking them if they want to give their heart to Jesus at an appropriate time through baptism. And you want to be lazy, liaising with your local elder or pastor about this. I remember my friend Leon. He said, Sam, I used to hate it. He wasn't an Adventist. He wasn't a Christian. He said he was doing studies with Joseph and my friend Joseph. And Joseph would just ask him, bro, come on, man. When are you going to give your life to God? He said, I used to hate it when he asked me. And then he goes, he kept on asking. He just, the next day, bro, come on, man. When are you going to get baptized? Come on, bro. He used to hate it, but it was what he needed. Do you see that? And because he was running away from conviction, but he knew what he needed. Sometimes as a friend, you've got to do the right thing and just stick it on them. Stick it on them. And as you stick it on them, when you've done this and they make a decision, this is the preservation section now. You've got your tomatoes, they're ripe. You want to decide that what to do with them, you've got to do something with them. You've got to preserve what you've got. Now, this is very key. Oftentimes, someone gets baptized and we just leave them. Have you seen that process? You've seen when someone comes into church and five minutes later, after being baptized, they've left. You've seen that process. The reality is, is that as a preser preservation, jet lag has got me. As a preservation thing, you want to be intentional about trying to ensure that the crop is preserved. That you don't leave people once they've made decisions for Jesus Christ. That you're intentional about discipleship. And intentionality means that you've got to actually plan something in your schedule that includes them. A few steps. We had a university group. We had a university group. The name of the session is By Many or By Few. But a university group. And when I went to university, so like I got baptized really young. And then I got to about 17, and all the males from church pretty much left. I don't know if that's anybody else's experience over here. And it's just the girls that are left. So you're struggling with that. And um, at 17, I made a decision you know what? Despite who's leaving, I'm staying. This is what I'm doing. And so I go to university and my mindset is, or my mindset was, I'm trying to stay in my little corner because I don't want to, if that makes sense. You know, what, you know what this means? All right. So, so I'm trying to stay in my little corner. That was my mindset. And then I had a friend, he was also Adventist, who completely shattered my mindset. He came to university, he was a recent convert. And in his mind, he wanted this thing called the gospel to go all over. I'm trying to stay uncontaminated. He's trying to put it out there. And so he's like, Sam, come with me. We've got to make this thing happen. There was about five of us. He starts holding Bible studies in the chapel on the university campus. He's going through Daniel chapter 2. We've invited this, our friends. This thing's got so big. How do I say this? Do I just say this? Yeah, I'm just going to say it. So, 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 um, you know, you've got these different clubs and societies. 
that you, that you join when you go to university. There's one at pretty much every British university. It's called the African Caribbean Society. And if you're from African or Caribbean descent, you join it. So we're there, and um, this thing's got so big. Now, the African Caribbean Society has it's got probably the biggest club scene on campus. The Bible studies have got so big that people have stopped clubbing because they've decided to follow Jesus Christ. On a university campus, secular, in England, United Kingdom. All because a few people decided to put the cycle of evangelism in place and try and reach their friends. It doesn't take a lot of people to stop a whole lot of students doing the things that were in the trajectory of their life. I'm not saying everybody became Adventist, but some people are on their journey. Now, one of the girls that did become Adventist, um, one of the things that we did, which was just so crucial, when I look back, we didn't even know what we were doing, but it happened. Um, what happened was, is that we integrated her quickly into a larger friendship circle. So now, because she's integrated into this larger friendship circle, she's got a community. She's the only Adventist, or she was at the time the only Adventist in her family, so she just couldn't... So some things is difficult to do by yourself. And so in a process of community, that helped with her preservation phase. My friends who have become Adventist and have stayed for the long haul have developed a friendship base which is also Adventist, not at Adventist also. Remember, you're going to have to be there during this time, so it's critical. Also, discipleship. Discipleship. When someone becomes um, a new Christian, there's not everything that they know. Um, when someone becomes a new Christian, they don't understand everything about keeping Sabbath. I remember before we was explaining the Sabbath to somebody, and it just came to my head, and we just went to that text in Isaiah, you know the one, 58, where don't do your own pleasure on the Sabbath, and it says make the Sabbath a delight. So we're trying to explain that to the person, and I'll never forget it. It just came to my head, this person loves weddings. We've got a program in the UK called Don't Tell the Bride, where they give the money to the bridegroom. He's got to buy everything from the dress and everything, and the bride's not allowed to know. So I knew she was into these kind of programs. And um, yeah, 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 the bride's not allowed to know. I knew she was into these kind of programs. So it just made me think, trying to explain Sabbath. Um, here we go, ah, the text says, don't do your own pleasure, but it needs to be a delight. A delight. How does that work? Because I thought if it's a delight, that means it's a pleasure. I says, this is how it works. When you go to a wedding, do you wear, if you're not the bride, a white dress? You don't, do you? Even if you bought one yesterday. You just don't wear one. The wedding is, you're there to be, the wedding's to be a delight. But there's some rules in place to ensure that the wedding is a delight. And one of those things is, is even though you may like the white dress, you don't do your own pleasures to ensure that the focus of the day isn't on you, it's on the bride and the groom. The Sabbath's the same thing. This is what I'm explaining to the girl. The Sabbath's the same thing. There's some things that we don't do. Not because I'm trying to be restrictive or God's trying to be overly restrictive. He's just trying to make sure that the focus of the day is on your relationship with him. So I'm explaining this thing to her, and then the penny drops, the penny drops, the penny drops. And the way the penny's able to drop is, is because you've done a few things. You've come close to a person. 
You know what they're interested in. You've seen it. You've, you, you've come close. You've, you know what makes them tick. You, you see what illustrations would, would help them. You've come close to a person. They're your friend. You've done some things like we've done, like we've said in the past session. Um, trust begets trust. And so you've put some trust in them. They now trust you. Um, you've done some things like that. And as you've done things like that, what's happened is, is that you've created an experience whereby someone's facilitated making a decision for Jesus Christ. Let's review. In our calendars, in our calendars, deal with your weeds. If you don't deal with your weeds and your thorns, they will choke you. I'm sure in America, like in the UK, the cares of life, the pleasures of life, can sometimes be so attractive. But you're going to put those things in check because your salvation's on the line. Then you want to make sure that you're coming close to people. Choose some people in your friendship circle. Choose some people in your circle of influence who you think, you know what, I can really, man, I think God's leading me to this one. Let me see if I can come close to them and spread them and share some truth with them. And as you sow a seed, as you sow a seed, um, see and watch to see if this thing grows. Maybe it will become an interest. And as it becomes an interest and as you cultivate it, maybe you can get a Bible study. And as you get your Bible study, don't be intimidated by that. Just go into audio verse and listen to how to give a Bible study. I tried to, we was going to try and go through that in the last session, but we ran out of time. How to give a Bible study. And as you give the Bible studies and you watch this person grow in Jesus Christ and make decisions for him, um, you want to bring your pastor and let your church know about the situation. And as they make decisions for Jesus Christ and follow him as their personal savior, and I know that this is possible because I've seen it with my own two eyes in my own life, then what happens is, is that you want to make sure you want to invite them and bring them into your friendship group, into your community. And you work the cycle in your circle. You work the cycle in your circle. Now someone's thinking, Sam, if I'm doing all this, I'm not going to have time at university or college or work or whatever it is to get done that which needs to be done. Don't fool yourself. I remember when I left university, I studied pharmacy. We had our last lecture. I'd finished all my exams. And Mark Brennan, he was the undergraduate director at the time. He gives us in our last farewell lecture, he says, this is before we graduated, some of you, if you score between a grade boundary, will be called back for an emergency exam. That won't be most of you. But if you score between... I mean, the grade system in, in the UK is 2-2 two, two and a 2-1 or 2-1 and a first. We'll call you back for an emergency exam. Um, we'll let you know the day before, but don't worry, that won't apply for most of you. So that information, I didn't even sink in. So anyway, I'm at camp meeting. My university's in England, camp meeting's in Wales. I'm in Wales. I don't know if you know the UK, you've got Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland. I'm over here, university's over here. I get a phone call on my phone. Sam, have you checked your emails? No, I haven't. Okay, Sam, it's the School of Pharmacy. You've got an exam tomorrow, and it's on anything that you've studied in the past four years. It's external examiners, and it's going to be a viva. Your dissertation will come up, most likely, but any other question... It's going to be on anything within the past four years. 
You can't study four years in one night. I hope that makes sense to somebody. So, um, all you can do really is look at your dissertation and pray. So, I get to the university, we drive up from Wales, go to the university, and we're praying, because there's probably more, there's more point praying than studying. In this particular scenario. We get up there, and um, I just had an impression. Sam, go and speak to Dr. Simon White. He asked you a question about grounded theory analysis before. And just see if he can give you the answer to that question. So I went and I asked him. I said, you know, this is my situation. This is the struggle that I'm having. I've got this viva. He didn't even know. I've got this viva and there's external examiners. And you asked me a question before about grounded theory analysis. Um, it came up, it's on my dissertation. And, uh, you know, if they ask me about that, what, what should I do? He says, well, I'm going to make sure you mention these authors. Mention these dates. Avoid saying this. Make sure you say this. Make sure you say this. Make sure you say this. He literally went through exactly how to answer that question. I get into the Viva. The first question, I'm not joking, the first question that they ask me is the question he's just told me how to answer. What I'm saying is, is that when you put God first, when you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things that you're worried about, he adds them to you. My first job promotion, I didn't even ask for a promotion. I didn't apply for a job. What happened was, what happened was, my work colleague Pooja, who I told some people about earlier on, she goes to the management, we had, had a conversation, she says, if you don't give Sam and I a promotion, we're leaving. Who's leaving? We haven't spoken about leaving. Next thing you know, I get promoted. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Since then, they've tried to offer me other promotions. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I've always wanted to work and give some time to the Lord for God. This February, Craig, the director of peace, comes to me and says, Sam, um, you should apply for this thing. You could be the outreach coordinator at peace. I'm thinking, how's that going to work? I'm going to have to go to work, see if I can reduce my hours. Um, no one gets Mondays and Fridays off. We know that. If you're going to get anything off, it's going to be in the middle of the week. I go there. God works things out so that I'm able to get the time off at the hospital and I'm able to give my time for the Lord through the Peace School of Evangelism. God what I'm saying is, is that when you put God first and you work on working out his kingdom, I'm telling you that he makes and he does these things for you that you just wouldn't be able to figure out and navigate by yourself. That's what he does. It's 2031, so we've got to stop. But let me just start by saying this. In Hebrews, the Bible lets us know that it's by faith the Israelites crossed through the Red Sea. And then it says, later on in Hebrews, that because of a lack of faith, these same people didn't enter Canaan. They had faith to cross through the Red Sea, but they didn't have the faith to enter into Canaan. 
Now there was a set of people that did go into Canaan. It was the generation that came up after the people who didn't have the faith to go in. Which means then that there needed to be a generation that took faith to a whole new level than their parents didn't even have. They couldn't look to their parents and think that's what faith looks like. They had to look to Jesus. Because the faith it took to cross the Red Sea, see Moses lifted his rod and the Red Sea parted. But when they crossed through the Jordan, they had to put their foot in first before the water parted. If we're going to ever enter into Canaan, we're going to have to go higher. And God's calling us to go higher and to work the cycle in your circle so you can reach somebody. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This is something that I've not just read in a book, it's something that I've seen in my own life. And I would love for you guys to experience it. Is that something that you want to experience? Let's stand with me and we'll have a prayer. Dear Lord, I've spoken my heart out. Try to put some practical things in place that people can do when they go home. I'm cognizant of the fact that there were some things that came up in the previous session that felt like needed to be addressed. Oh Lord, I'm just asking that you will send down the Holy Spirit to be with everybody that is struggling. And then as we work for you, we'll realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that joy is in seeking the lost and saving the lost. And as we do that, dear Heavenly Father, I'm just praying that when you come again, we'll hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Please may that be our experience. Please may that be our reality. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.